The Acquisition Insight Podcast is a show all about buying businesses. We bring on guests implementing various acquisition strategies and have them break it all down to give you the insight you need to go out and do deals. Today's guest built a five-member executive board in 72 days with no M&A experience. He comes from the commercial real estate world where he's done multiple commercial transactions. One in particular was the sale of a hotel that included a restaurant. It was that transaction just months ago where he heard the word IBIDA for the very first time. And for the past 72 days, he's been knee deep learning the acquisition space while making significant moves. He's quickly growing an audience on social media, documenting his journey by sharing things like live recordings of him closing his board members. Ladies and gents, please welcome to the show, Antti Mansion. Let's jump right into the conversation. Just the first portion of his bio, he's the founder and CEO of Blue Horizon Industries, a healthcare investment group on a mission to advancing mergers and medical robotics by acquiring over $1 billion in assets throughout the United States. Um, and this part of your bio is, is really where I want to start. He is the great-great-grandson of Benito Mancian, the general of the Dominican Restoration War, who freed the Dominican people from Spain in 1865, and he was a national hero. Yes. Let's start right there. Uh, the vast amount of history and heritage that you possess. Tell us about your great-great-grandfather. I'm actually still learning about him. And I found this out about six months ago, maybe nine months ago. Um, I'm very uh, I'm, I'm very family oriented. So I like to know who I am because the way that I think, I refuse to believe that, you know, the way that I form my ideas, the thoughts that I have, the missions that I want to embark on, I refuse to believe that, you know, it just comes out of nowhere. Um, as you know, DNA holds information. That's the only way that, you know, the human body is able, uh, able to form. There's data, you know, in DNA, pretty much there's data in everything, right? So be, knowing that, one day I just got curious as to the last name Monsignor, where it came from, where it originated from. So I asked my mother and she actually told me, well, your grandfather, his name was actually Juan. Well, full name was Juan Asil Monsignor. So that piqued my interest even more. Started doing research and speaking to other family members. I uncovered he was indeed the general. And he actually reached out to the United States for aid at the time, which at the time, the U.S. was dealing with the Civil War and their own matters. So, you know, it was kind of interesting to hear about all that. But nonetheless, finding out that, yes, it was three individuals total that actually almost single-handedly overthrew Spain. Because at that time, it was a lot of, uh, let's say people were uh, losing courage, right? They didn't really want to fight back. Finding all that out, it was extremely interesting. But nonetheless, he was not willing to stand up for that. And him and two other individuals rose up, got the people together, and they actually fought back against Spain. Which right now, if you actually Google Monsignor, you'll actually see we have a town in the Dominican Republic named after us. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, I mean, even at this point, 
in your life, it's especially now you're saying you just found out not too long ago and you just recently made this transition into this business and 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 not to skip ahead in the conversation, you know, you have a little bit of a uh, like a YouTube channel where you kind of keeping track or, or journaling, so to speak, your process into getting into this business. And I and I heard uh, one of your one of your um, videos, I saw you talked about how you you kind of use that heritage to your advantage where you say like you have a lot to live up to yes. and so that you can draw confidence in me as your partner. And I just thought that was like amazing. Like, where's my where's my heritage story that I can pull from? <laughs> hey, you never know. It might be interesting if you dig deep, you know. Yeah, I'm, I don't know if I'll find anything that exciting, <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, uh, I, I'd love to just jump into uh, another part of your bio where you talked about uh, you began your career in 2008, um, where you learned to source mortgage note deals from potentially mm -hmm. motivated sellers to wealthy investors uh, mm -hmm. that were looking to diversify their investment portfolio. So what's the origin story for you? Well, in school, well, throughout my life, I just always felt there was more. Um, Remember, keep in mind, I just found out, you know, about my family's history. So just throughout my life, I always had a feeling, a, a flame inside that's just raging, can't be put out. Um, I had to find out what the reason behind that was. So throughout high school, I had an interest in architecture, uh, well, building houses. I wanted to be an architect. So I didn't pursue that. Started doing some other things, but directly out of high school, uh, it was late night one night, and I saw a uh, infomercial. Uh, infomercial. It's, it was called Winning in the Cash Flow Business. Hmm. It was a course teaching how to do this, right? So it got my interest. I saw it a few times, decided to give them a call. Long story short, I ordered a course. Now, back then, this is, <laughs> remember, 2008. Right. We didn't have, well... I didn't have access to, no, that's just the way it was back then. You, you didn't order a course and it was the, uh, immediately delivered to you. You had to wait, you know, weeks or a month for the actual, you know, CD and the materials to get delivered to you. Right. So I've, I've been into this for a long time. You know, now you sign up for a course, instant access, right? right. So that wasn't the case then, but that was, that's actually what piqued my interest. Uh, I did a few deals. I did about maybe 13,000. And the reason why I was, I was about 18 at the time. Yeah, I was about 18 at the time, um, 19. So it wasn't cool to be an entrepreneur at that time. That was not mm -hmm. the thing. The cool thing was, hey, go to school, get your diploma, you know, go to a university, do four years, do six years, whatever it is, right? That was the route. Right. So everybody was like, what are you doing, man? Like, you're too smart for that. Let's see, what are you doing? So, but I always wanted to pursue something else, something greater just because it, that was always the feeling that I had. So that's what led me to actually getting into the, it was, it's called cash flow notes, right? Mortgage notes, mm -hmm. notes in general, but a lot of individuals who are deep into real estate, they would know exactly what those terms are, which they're the same. But it's interesting because it's a very, it's similar to a wholesaling real estate. Because what I did, I found individuals who, actually owned property outright. They sold it, but they accepted seller financing, acting as the bank, if you will. Let's say they have 300 payments. I would actually contact them and say, hey, you have 300 payments left. Let's work something out. Instead of you waiting and receiving maybe 900 bucks a month, a thousand, I can actually cash you out, 
but it's at a discount, 30% discount. Because they're investors, you know, they have to make a profit somewhere. So that's right. why, that's why I say it. It's it is very similar to wholesaling, you know, extremely similar, very same guidelines almost. So in between that, the investor, you make your fee, but I was very new to it, so I kept my fee very low, 1200 2300 bucks. Excuse me, uh, $2,300 bucks here and there. So, but life, I was so young, just life, uh, life happens. Not having, you know, support behind you, you tend to lose motivation and wander off. It's, I basically say, motivate, uh, being an entre- entrepreneur and that spirit, it's like a, it's a, it's a switch that can be turned off. Yeah. And the thing is, it's just simple everyday life things that turn it off. You get overwhelmed, right? You get caught up. You're hanging out with the, you know, the wrong crowd. You're actually consuming, right? Instead of producing content, stuff like that. And you just yeah. veer off and that switch gets turned off. And that, that actually happened to me because I, well, I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be, but had I continued along that path, it would have been much greater success that I would have seen. But that's what got me, you know, into selling real estate notes, which, you know, they provided me with a list of uh, investors, a website to go to. Once you have a deal, you post it and these guys would actually reach out to you and bid for those deals. It was it was interesting. Uh, that's that's I guess that's similar to wholesaling as well. I've had some buyers uh, bid for my deals, but that it, it gets very aggressive. Remember, I'm 18, 19. Right. At that time. Right. <laughs> so I had to. I remember my best friend, I didn't have the uh, money at the time. His name is Josh. He actually bought the Hewlett Packard uh, calculator, the financial calculator. So I had to learn all that stuff. You know, there was no YouTube, you know, at that time. So I couldn't just YouTube this. So, yeah, I learned the hard way, but it's, I can say I was set up for this M&A path long before I got into it because the skills that I have right now, is just, it's, you know, sales and everything else, I was set up for it. But that's how I got into it, though. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of correlations that can be drawn between, like, the real estate game and the M&A game. Absolutely. Um, especially when it comes to, like, sourcing, deal flow, uh, reaching out to motivated sellers. Like, these are terms that I think cross over back and forth. Um, and so, and I, and I think there's a lot of people, even in our group, who come from the real estate game and they are trying to make that transition. Um, but I, I, I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are in relation to the market at that time, from a real estate perspective, to it now, and what maybe the reason people are switching over from the real estate game over into looking at acquisitions as a way of of growth. Well, the market. Um, back then in 2008, uh, if anyone's old enough, they would know uh, what the economy was like. Very similar to this. As a matter of fact, I believe this is a, uh, ex- extremely worse than 2008, uh, much worse right now. But the nonetheless, the environment at that time, it was a lot of sellers, especially being that I was in the field that I was in. It was a lot of individuals I was coming across you know, that wanted to liquidate, but not all of them, maybe half or maybe three quarters. But to say the least, uh, individuals were, you know, losing jobs left and right. Again, similar to the economy right now, 
So the housing right, right. market, if you were a wholesaler, which it's it's ironic because I didn't hear anything about wholesaling at that point, you know, anything. Yeah. But if you were a wholesaler at that point, I doubt you'd have any, I, I doubt you'd have a hard time succeeding. So in comparison to today's market, well, for the first time since 2010, it is a buyer's market. <laughs> so right. that says a lot, right? That says a lot. But what is it going to look like moving forward? I'm not an expert in any of this, so I do not know. I can't say. Anyone who does say is pure speculation anyways. But mm. there is tremendous opportunity in the housing market because any smart investor knows it doesn't matter where the market moves to. It doesn't matter what happens. You move with it. You pivot. And you always buy at the wedge. You buy at the wedge, you can't lose, right? But there's very uh, there's similarities in the market today in comparison to uh, 2008, 2010. But the reason why I think people are moving over to mergers and, ac and acquisition, I'm going to tell you from my personal experience, is because I did 143 and some change last year wholesaling. However, my expenses were too high. So I brought in just around 70 something, 73, I believe it was. So I wanted to build a multi-million dollar wholesaling, real estate wholesaling company. But once I started learning about M&A, that you could actually acquire a multi-million dollar business and it'll take a fraction of the effort it'll take you to actually build a successful multi-million dollar business. I think that's what's so interesting. That model is extremely interesting to individuals that's in real estate. And like you mentioned before, it overlaps, right? Underwriting mm -hmm. deals, um, talking to investors, learning to raise funds for the properties. So it overlaps in a lot of ways. But I think that's why, in my personal experience. And, and so I think my question, which you nailed, really looking at, because obviously the past month or so uh, with COVID-19, it's definitely changed the market. It's changed a lot of people's uh, thinking strategies, et cetera. Um, but we've seen a growing interest in mergers and acquisition. And I think you've nailed it because um, coming out the gate with a fresh idea, trying to build something from scratch takes a lot more effort, a lot more capital. Uh, but then if you can look at a well-oiled machine that's available for purchase, and then you put a new fresh set of eyes on it, a new fresh set of ideas on it, you can grow and scale that much easier, much quicker than you would be able to something from scratch. So I think I, I definitely agree with your, with your assessment there. I, I think that's what a lot of people are starting to realize. And I think also baby boomers are retiring and there's, they've been somewhat incentivized you know, to do that you know, through like SBA programs for people to come in and buy businesses from retiring baby boomers. And so I think also the timing of that uh, contributed well from my assessment. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Absolutely agree with you there. Yeah. And just to add to the, that last statement a little bit, you're, um, you nailed that as well. I've candidly, I've spoken to about six, 700 business owners between last week and this week combined, some of them are not actually worried about the, they're not concerned about the uncertainty in the environment. 
just because the sector, the, uh, the industry I'm in, medical device industry, the healthcare, part of the healthcare industry overall, it lags, it reacts differently when there's, uh, you know, in times of economic depression, such as right. this, it reacts differently. However, what I am seeing as well, or what I, what I have seen is that owners who had, they had, like you said, they're switching up their, you know, business model, their retirement plan. Um, some, they wanted to retire 10 years from now, five years from now. I speak to them, although they are not worried about the uncertainty, they're repositioning, restructuring, right? Mm. Revising things um, because they're saying, hey, we can get out right now. Now, that's for the ones that are experiencing positive positive uh, profit margins right now, which in this sector, there's a lot of companies for obvious reasons, of course, you know, um, given the demand, the extra demand in medical supplies, as you know, but that's why they're experiencing positive uh, profit margins. But with that said, even though they're not worried about that, it's not a concern. They just want to switch and say, hey, maybe we want to get out, you know, within six months or a year. So I have four companies that that is our target that within 90 days from now, they say, hey, give us a call. We are, uh, mm-hmm. We're willing to move forward. We're willing to sell. So, yeah. So, so that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. You have people actually saying, business owners actually telling you, hey, give us 90 days um, because our plans are changing. Our plans are, are shifting and we will we will reconsider selling within that time frame. Is, is that essentially what you're saying? Absolutely. Indeed. Absolutely. And in fact, one of our industry experts on our board, Carlos, we had a dis- uh, discussion. Uh, I believe it was around 4.30 yesterday. And he actually advises physicians and other MDs. So some of his clients that own practices, they can't sustain themselves because as you know, we've ran out that $350 uh, billion they had earmarked for the SBA towards, you know, small businesses. That's done. Part of the $2 trillion stimulus pact that was passed. That's over with. So what he's telling me is that those funds were not enough, right? They already ran out of it. So they're seeking alternative uh, investors to bring them in to actually, you know, hold them up afloat. And they're considering having, you know, giving out shares of the company. And we actually have this situation going on right now. And we're waiting till May 1st to find out if, you know, the economy is going to be uh, opened up again and see what's going to happen so we can contact the owner. But it's physicians, practice, there's a, there's a huge shift that's coming, you know, in that part of the industry just because they can't sustain themselves. The cash is not enough, right? The government, they, they didn't, uh, <laughs> they lowball that one. Let's say that, <laughs> right? So... <laughs> So with that said, we have we have targets that's coming up left and right right now. You know, yeah. this is a perfect opportunity. No one should be sitting around. This is the greatest transformation of wealth, I believe, in the history of the planet. Right. So in in ten years from now, twenty years, what are you gonna say? <laughs> so I want to have a legacy within this. <laughs> that's my take. Absolutely. So let, let's transition right into what you're currently doing. Talk, tell me a little bit about, I know you touched on it briefly, but if you can reiterate how you 
came into M&A um, and then what was the strategy? What is the strategy that you're kind of in the weeds of currently, if you can walk us through that? Yeah, of course. I was involved in a $23 million deal. There was a hotel on South Beach that was for sale. Along with that was a business. At that time, I knew nothing about it. This was about nine months ago. I didn't know anything about the business side. Um, it was a restaurant that was for sale. <laughs> Needless to say, after everything was said and done, looking back at that deal and the owner, which it was three owners, they were adamant about, you know, the business part. They were like, hey, the, you know, the license, the liquor license transfers over. Everything transfers over. I was like, yeah, that's fine. But our buyer, we were dealing with a Israel buyer at the time. He was not, you know, keen on that. But -hmm. looking back, I realized how much what we could have actually done. We could have split the deal, right? Two separate transactions, real estate separate and the actual business separate. I was interested. Remember I told you, I heard one word EBITDA. So I started looking into it because at that time I had a, I received a job offer in December, 2019. (laughs) It was a six figure offer at a real estate firm, a big real estate firm for Mm -hmm. as a acquisition uh, manager. I actually turned that down. I met with the CEO back and forth, turned that down the whole time. I'm in the process of, you know, learning about how to evaluate businesses, you know, XYZ, but I didn't take time to actually sit around and find out that much. During the time I was learning, I was actually taking action. So if I learned for like an hour or two, I would try to take four or five hours worth of action. Mm-hmm. But that's what initially got me looking into MA. And I started learning uh, learning from a MA attorney and a real estate investor who also buys businesses. And then I stumbled across Dan Pena which I see he has a large following, right? A lot of individuals follow him. So I was like, oh, wow. So what I did was, which is why my strategy is kind of different yet similar because I, you know, I have different individuals that I learned from, but my strategy is it's the same as any other individual almost, but build a team, a wise team behind myself, just because starting out, I'm young for one, I didn't attend a university two, three. I just won't have enough experience to put everything together myself because the thing is I plan on building a billion dollar company. And from my 31 years of living, I have never known a billion dollar or a multi-successful business to have been ran and founded and be successful on the owner or founder's back alone. So for that, I was seeking a team. So I started building a team and next week, which is about four or five days from now, our team will be solidified. We have everybody on board, but you know, our deadline is the 21st. I wanted to meet that, which we have, but I wanted to build a team with more experience behind myself to, to be able to look at deals. But there was specific individuals that I had to have, which is what I learned as well. But I needed a chairman, an investment banker with fast experience, a CFO, a M&A attorney, in-house attorney, which is for you know general guidance, in-house accountant, as well as industry expert. Now, I wanted to give my team strength, so I went after three industry experts. 
So my chairman, he has over a billion dollars in experience buying sell side. He's actually the director at a very well-known firm in the United States. And just basically all the individuals on my team, let's just say we are a very solid team. With my CFO, she has over 20 years finance experience from a big four KPMG, right? Our M&A attorney, he has over 15 years. He has his own firm. Our guidance attorney, 20 years experience. Um, our industry expert, actually one of our industry expert has sat on the board of the biggest medical device companies in the United States. So I was really excited to have him on board, but our team is just extremely solid and robust, which it gives us leverage when you're negotiating with, you know, financial institutions, such as, you know, the IMF, reaching out to them for non-recourse loans. But that's mm -hmm. the team that I went after because I know I'm selling my team. I have no track record in this field. So I know it's up to my team, not myself. I, I will get nowhere 100% of the time <laughs> trying to do this. So I knew I had to sell my team. So once having my team formed and even prior to, you know, having everybody on board, you will have what, what I call a pre-board. You'll have individuals that say, hey, we want to get on board, but this is what you need to do first. And that's why I was able to learn so much. Not, not only that, I operate at 150 to 200 miles an hour every day, right? Monday to Monday, just because that's the way I, I, I choose to operate. I want results fast. And I make decisions quick because if I made the wrong decision, I can rectify it that much quicker. So, so step one for you was I need a team. I need to build people around me that kind of cover my weaknesses. And then together we have the experience. We have everything we need in order to, to move forward, right? To do deals, to, to attract lenders, whatever uh, is needed. Talk to me because you had a, you had posted in the group uh, some of your, uh, like cold calling scripts mm -hmm. and things of that nature. And then I also saw on your YouTube channel, uh, you had posted a conversation with, I believe the person who you selected to be and has agreed to be um, your in-house attorney or, or uh, accountant rather. Well, it's, which one is it? A, is it a male or female speaking? It, it was a female. That's our in-house accountant, which yes. actually which actually um, we had an unfortunate incident with our you know, CFO, but she was she agreed to you know step up to the challenge and be the CFO, which again, I had plenty of qualified individuals. So I was just able to reach out to another individual and say, hey, listen, I need you to uh, you know I need you to be our CFO. I'm sorry, our in-house accountant. This is what happened. This is what we're doing. You already know the gist. Are you on? No, simply yes. Um, I will release a, uh, a phone conversation where I locked our industry expert. I locked him in in less than 12 minutes. Yeah. So so that's what I kind of want you to talk a little bit about. It's it's evident that you have sales skills, right? You, you're able to sell. You're able to articulate well. And so you shared, I, I think I mentioned you shared some of those scripts, call scripts and whatnot in our in our acquisition group on Facebook. If you could just give like some insight into the strategy for how to close and get people on board. Well, no, that's fine. I actually give you everything. Um, I'll tell you exactly the whole experience. But what you're going to need is, and you're going to come across this a lot, you're going to have individuals that say, yes, I am on board. However, 
They're worried about the capital, the money. That is the only thing these guys are worried about. Like, no lie. You could have, if you had a million dollars in your bank account, you can literally reach out to these guys and say, hey, I have a million right now, ready to go. This is the plan. What do you think? Are you on or not? Like literally first phone call. They don't care about nothing else. And it's crazy because my first phone call with uh, chairman, he was like, hey, listen, young man, I don't, I don't want to hear all that. I'm going to know exactly what I need to know from you by the way you answer these questions. He had only two questions. Where's the money? <laughs> Seriously. He said, where's the money? Where's the targets? Who's going to help you with the targets? That's it. He didn't care about, hey, I don't have this experience. Hey, don't do He didn't care about any of that. They just want to know where the money is, right? So I briefly explained to them, and these guys are going to say, hey, listen, I hear what you're saying. I understand what you're trying to do. As a matter of fact, this is the model that most startup companies favor. So I understand it well. However, I am not comfortable with lending my name. That is the thing. But these guys, mm -hmm. you, you got to remember, these guys are up there. Well, if you're reaching out to, you know, high, high, high affluential individuals, right. these guys are not going to just want to give you their name and say, hey, okay, go do that. Tell them it's me. No, it's not happening. I can tell you that 100%. It's not going to happen. That's, that's what it is. And these guys will tell you, right? So you need a business partner because they will, they will say, hey, listen, and I tell them, I don't have five figures in my account. I don't have six figures in my account. I know I can't do this alone, but they're going to tell you, we need some kind of comfort level because we just can't embark on this journey behind words alone. You know, right. so you need a business partner. You need someone, you need to get someone who has the net worth. Now, if they have the uh, per, uh, experience in finance or investing, that's a bonus. That's a plus. Although that is not a requisite. You know, it just turns mm -hmm. out my business partner, he has over 20 years of experience, right? He's a CEO. He's actively in the financial uh, industry. So he understands a lot about what we're doing. So that helped. But you need to secure a business partner who has the net worth. But this is the thing. This is what you're. This is how you're going to be able to secure these guys and get them to say yes versus you know getting a lot of no's, which you will get a lot of no's. But all you have to tell these guys when they say, "Okay, I'm on board with it," which all you're doing is exactly the same things you would have done with getting your board members. You have your cons uh, executive consortium. You have your pitch deck. That's all you need. Send it to these guys. And a lot of people ask me, well, what else do I need? Do I need a long form? Do I need a business plan? Do I need X, Y, Z? The truth is you need to make sense. That's it. You need to make sense. If your plan right. makes sense, that's the only thing that matters. If they can see it, it makes sense. Then they're going to say, hey, what do you need from me? What are the requirements? And that is why you say, "All I, I'm not looking for funds. That is how you get these guys, your business partner. That's how you close them. Mm -hmm. Say, hey, listen, I don't need a lot of time. I definitely don't need your money. I'm chasing my tail. I have a lot of individuals who want to come on board. I've gotten a lot of soft yeses. However, soft yes doesn't mean anything. I need these guys to have a to give me a solid yes because you understand what we're building. You understand I plan on building a billion dollar company, right? And I'm offering you percentage, although it's nothing right now, but you know I am going to work my butt off to make sure we succeed. This is the plan, this, 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 that, 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 right? What do you say? I don't need a lot of time because you don't, especially if that individual don't have the experience that you need. Right. Because in some sense, your business partner, you want to look to your business partner 
as some sort of mentor to a certain extent if right, they right. have the experience that you need, right? But if they don't, they just have the capital and they're, they're excited, they want to back you, they're willing to take that chance, then that's all you need. But that's what you need to get these guys to start saying yes. Because the first week of me calling, I kept running into that, kept running into it. Yes, but how are we going to get the money? You can explain to these guys over and over and over, this is the plan. Like you can send it in, they can read it. However, they need something solid. These guys, it's not just hearsay. They need to know that you have solidified a partner, you have arrangements with them. And me, I actually, you know, went as far as showing, hey, this is the agreement me and my partner have. This is the percentage. This is what I own. I'm looking to only retain 65% of the company. The rest I want to give away, right? And they're comfortable with that. And I told them, hey, if you want to jump on, on a phone call with my business partner, I'm happy to do so. But just cut the fluff, you know, cut the fat. Like, you you mean, and I've seen like some posts of individuals saying, no, don't let your, uh, don't let these guys speak or don't let these guys do this, do that. This is what I got to say about that. You can't follow someone's advice or way of teaching 100%. You have to have some kind of uh, originality to it. You have to have your own spin on it, right? Otherwise, it's just right. plagiarism. So, like, I mean, come on, you know, come on, see what works. Because the thing is, when that individual is telling you that they, they did that certain thing, they did it at a certain time. And I'm sorry, with a marketing background, I know times change. The way people do business change. I used to communicate with the banks back in 2008. The way they communicate right now change as of 2020. It is not the same. So although you may know the underlying concept, the foundation, which is what you need, it doesn't mean you have to build the whole building the same exact way your neighbor did. Put a spin on it. Put some personality to it, right? Make it yours. That's what your brand is going to be about. You know what I mean? But once you have a business partner, these guys are going to say, okay, that's interesting. And I didn't just go after my chairman at first. I went after everyone simultaneously. But again, that's why I was able to get, you know, this much result, such massive results. And so real quick, where are you going to find these people? Are you searching through LinkedIn? Are you pulling, you know, top businesses and looking at their, their roster of employees and staff and their board of directors? Like, where are you finding these people? How are you reaching out? I went to LinkedIn. There's other platforms you got to utilize, other websites that specifically have board members on their executives that is, that is looking to, you know, uh, have a board seat. However, I didn't utilize those avenues. I only stick to LinkedIn and LinkedIn only. If you, I'm not sure you saw the post I put up where it showed the actual uh, number of individuals that, you know, viewed my profile within the last 90 days, I believe it was about 4.43 at the time. It's about 500 now, um, but you will see clearly it started literally like, I believe, March 2nd. Yes, March 2nd started increasing, right? So go to LinkedIn, sign up for LinkedIn Recruiter. It's free for 30 days. You won't need no more than that. My chairman, this is what I search for, investment banker. You don't want Anyone who's a, a C, uh, CPA, you don't want anyone who's into litigation. You want an investment banker. Preferably, I was looking for someone who's done over 500 deals just because I've seen that if an individual has 500 deals or more, that's automatically a billion plus. That's what I look for. So you just put in investment banker, M&A, mergers and acquisitions. 
your CFO, you want to look for obviously someone who has, you know, CFO experience, but automatically I want a CPA as my CFO, no one else. I don't care what kind of experience you have. I want that as my CFO and my mergers and acquisitions attorney. That's plain and simple, right? You put mergers and acquisitions and you put in legal attorney and you're going to have, uh, it's going to populate with a list. Um, who else? In-house account. Same thing. I look for a CPA. However, my CFO, I look for him to have at least 20, 25, 30 years experience in at a big four, which is Deloitte, KPMG, Ernest Young, right? I look for individuals with big four experience because they know what they're doing, right? My chairman, like I mentioned, a billion dollars plus. And everyone else, I just make sure they're the top of the top, especially the main thing I can tell you, your industry expert matters because if you're in a specific industry, you're going to get a loan. The banks are going to actually ask you who on your board knows about this company the most the product they're selling. They're going to want to know that. So that's just a quick side note, right? You want to have your industry expert knowing exactly about the product and the target companies you're going after. It's going to make it much easier for the banks to give you loans. But yeah, that's how you, I, I went to LinkedIn, only LinkedIn, but you want to reach out to 15, 2000 individuals. Excellent. And so you built your team. What's next? I know you're sourcing deals. I know you have a twenty for uh, the twenty first as a target date. What's what's the next step in in your strategy? So we're looking to raise a million. But I spoke to my chairman. He actually he would be comfortable with five five million. He has his own rationalities behind that. Um, we would have you know the capital expenditure to cover any debt, anything, any mishap that would arise. Which is smart, by the way. Right? You want to have. Uh, Excess cash flow, but we're looking to raise five million. I have a fund that we're looking to, you know, structure as well. I'm not sure if we have time to go into it, the intricacies of that, how I structured the fund. But just the, you know, quick uh, tidbits. It's going to be a 506B just because we're only at five million. If I needed to raise more than five million, it'd be a 506C. Now under 506B, we can't advertise to get our accredited investors. And these guys have to have minimum 500,000 in their account, right? And mm -hmm. this is what's going to attract guys into my fund. This is the caveat, if you will. We are waiving management fees. Okay, so it's gonna be, it, I, it's a GP structure and an LP. I am the sole GP, general partner. General partner is the is a private entity, separate entity, but it has the power to distribute funds and allocate them as it see fits. <clears throat> I am the sole GP. Within the GP, underneath the GP, shall I say, you have the LP, the limited partnership, and that is where you attract your investors. That is where your investors put their money into. And you, underneath that, you have other subsidiaries you acquire with that. But what's exciting is our returns. Typically for a fund, you see 8%, um, some 6% returns, right? That's average, uh, even 10%. We choose to give our investors 15% return. We're doing it on a point, you know, point for point basis because we want to give them stake in the subsidiary that we acquire. So if an investor you know, gives us 200,000 at the time we need to make an acquisition. And that 200,000 turns out to be 10% of the capital stack. We would give him 10% in equity state. 
along with the 15% preferred return that we give him, right? So we, it's very attractive. Mm-hmm. Also, we waive, we're waiving all advisory and management fees. The reason I'm doing that is because I don't have a track record right now. I'm not going to charge these guys, you know, although I can just outsource that to a third party, you know, PE firm and have them have their management oversee that. But we choose not to do that. Um, there, there's no fees. So these guys, when they say, why would I invest in your fund? as opposed to someone else who I know has a track record. And I say, with all due respect, sir, we do not charge, <clears throat> excuse me, we do not charge management fees, no advisory fees. And our return is this. We plan on going after these companies for that reason. But simultaneously, we're looking at deals. I mean, I look at 40, 50 deals daily. Prior to this you know, podcast, I was actually looking at a dental lab uh, manufacturing company in Houston, Texas. And... I received the NDA from the representative and we're looking to move forward on that, you know, do our due diligence and see exactly what's happening. But that's where we are right now. We're, we're hitting, we're letting the rubber meet the road. You know what I mean? Our target for yeah. our initial acquisition is October 6th, which happens to be my birthday. But, you know, I, mm-hmm. just to give us, you know, some motivation. Right. And the thing is putting deadlines behind yourself, others, it's perception, you know, Others perceive you as someone who sticks, who's, who's, who sticks to what they say, right? And you're about business. You let individuals know that. So I have a deadline. We have a deadline for everything. And although every deadline may not be met, but we try to meet it as much as we can. But that's where we are right now, man, vigorously, vigorously hunting deals. And we will be putting a you know sales team together. And I'm looking for individuals. I have four right now that's interested in working with us. But, you know, me, I'm only looking for someone who has maybe 80 percent of what I can do and I can train them the other 20 percent, you know. Right. But that's where we are, man. For the listeners who might not have um, like a deep understanding, and I'm thinking about those in the group who are like just starting out, trying to do small. This this is a more complex strategy mm-hmm. in comparison to like the one off uh, acquisitions that an individual might be trying to make. Uh, whether it's for their portfolio or to bolt on to an existing business, give give the high level the acquisition strategy. So what what businesses are you targeting and why? What is the plan? And then how do you plan to exit? We're going after medical device manufacturing companies. I briefly mentioned earlier that the medical device industry reacts differently in times of recession. But another thing is, we will always need medical devices. I don't care if every we cure every single you know illness and disease. There's still going to be accidents. You know, still going to be slip and falls. So little Timmy's still going to have an accident, break his arm, whatever the case is, right? So medical devices are going to always be needed. That is why it's so exciting to us. So we're going after orthopedics, you know, manufacturing companies endoscopy manufacturing companies. We're going after surgical robotics manufacturing companies. We're going after MRI imaging, you know, cardiovascular. And the reason why is out of majority of these small medical devices that start out, they lean towards orthopedics, which is a, it's a huge market. However, it's only the third largest market as it pertains to medical devices. The largest market is cardiovascular, which that's actually two, but, you know, I put it into one. Um, I believe the global market size for that is 48, 49 billion, right? And it's the largest 
So that's why we're looking to get into these markets. We're looking to acquire those manufacturing companies. That's why. And we have certain states as well that we're focused on for certain reasons. I think I touched on, you know, previously, but we're focused on Florida right now because it's a, you know, it's a hub of small medical device companies. California is the largest. Well, it has the largest amount of small medical device companies. Massachusetts, it has the most qualified individuals to work in that industry. So we're focused on those, you know, states at first. But like I said, Florida, because we are, this is our background. And I believe all of our board is consist of individuals that lives in Florida. So it's, you know, extremely convenient for us. Our exit strategy. So we plan to acquire about 30 companies, 30 to 50 companies. That is the target. But our deadline to exit, we're looking around 2027, 2030. And the reason is, you know, the uh, almost around every 10 years, the market or the economy <laughs> adjusts itself, if you will. So we want to kind of avoid that. But our plan is to, you know, take it public through an IPO 2027 or 2030. However, I do believe our one of our biggest competitors, such as Bo- uh, Boston Scientific, Telefax, John, uh, Johnson & Johnson, Abbott Laboratories, they will be, you know, they will entertain us. And I believe they will be willing to buy us out. Our projection for five years of operation is 576 million of assets under management. So we will be poised to hit that billion dollar mark in 2027, 2030, right? But that's our strategy. We want to go public, but we're not opposed to, uh, you know, an offer from a competitor willing to buy us out, uh, buy us out you know, which we can sell at eight, 10 times our um, earnings. So that's extremely exciting for us. That's our strategy we're pursuing right now. Awesome. And so what would be your advice to someone starting out? I think your story is a testament to like being the doer, right? 70 days or less into deciding you want to get into mergers and acquisition. You've already built a team. You've already spoken to numerous targets and are beginning to make plans towards making your first acquisition in October. Like with the people who are kind of twiddling their thumbs and want to do it, not sure what to do. Like, what would you say to them to kind of inspire them, motivate them to just get up and start doing? Oh, that's easy. And don't take offense to this. Uh, You know, individuals listening to this It's just the person I am. I'm a no nonsense kind of guy, but I tell individuals this, and I told my best friend this too. I say, in a year from now, in a year from now, you're going to see me. <laughs> it's crazy. I'm just going to give you the example I use with my best friend. I said, a year from now, you're going to see me. And when I pull up and I'm going to be in some exotic, exotic car, whatever the case is, you're still going to be in the same place, doing the same thing, hanging around the same people. You're afraid you know, just to take action. You're in a vehicle and you, you're afraid to hit the gas pedal because it's foggy outside and you can't see. And you're thinking that there's something in front of you. What you need to do is you need to equip yourself, right? Learn the right things to clear the fog so you can see, you can have a longer range of vision of you. But I told him, I told him, you will see me in a year from now. And when you say, hey, can I do this? Can I do that? I'm going to respectively say no, because I offered you the chance. So with people that don't want to start, just think about where you are now and where you were 
a year from now and where you were five years ago. Compare that and tell me, do you see a growth? It's clear to see where, where you are right now and where you were exactly a year ago. I mean, obviously, times are different in the you know economy. Notwithstanding, look back. Do you still, a year from now, if you're in the same place, and the way I look at it, if you look at a calendar, you're stuck three years behind because you didn't take action, right? So every year you don't take action, you're just adding to the years that you don't take action. I mean, that's easy. That's, you know, uh, obvious, but imagine looking at a calendar and you're stuck and you're five years ago, but you're looking at today. You didn't take action. So you're still back there living in 2005. So what I have to say is how long are you willing to live three years, five years, 10 years in the past? It's, it doesn't work. <laughs> so stop doing what doesn't work. And just literally, I'm going to tell you exactly what, what's going to motivate and get you to actually take action. This is what I did. I signed up for LinkedIn Recruiter. <laughs> and the reason I did that is because I knew I had 30 days to complete this because I did not want to pay that 119 bucks. <laughs> no, seriously, sign up for LinkedIn Recruiter and your time will be ticking from there. So I'm actually going to have a 30-day uh, a challenge. It's actually going to be to the effect of uh, something to the effect of build your board in 30 days, something like that, where every day I release a video of actions that you can take that'll take you a little bit closer to that, you know, you forming your board, literally. So individuals who are contemplating, you know, what's happening, what's going on, they don't want to actually move forward. Is this the right time? Every day is the right time. The best time to plant a tree was, what, 20 years ago and yesterday. The next best time to plant a tree is today, right now. So the thing is, how long are you going to be, you know, how long are you willing to sit in the same situation and just watch everybody else go by? Not even life, just everyone else, you know? How long are you going, are you willing to do that? Because the people you're worried about, they will be there. Like, that's the thing. If you have to, if you have to go get the success and come back and enjoy it with those individuals, do that. You know what I mean? But the thing is, it's going to require tremendous sacrifice. I don't watch TV. I don't listen to music. It's been years since I've did either. I'm not a consumer. Because the thing is, when I'm speaking to high net, high net worth individuals, I want only what I know to come out of my mouth. And what's going to come out of my mouth is what I've been putting my time and effort into. So can you say the same thing? Right? Yeah, that, that's that's awesome, man. I think one thing I would say um, in support of that is that building a team period has tremendous value. Um, even if a listener is not looking to go your particular route, and by that I mean um, building a starting a fund, um, because that is a that is a big task, that is a big undertaking. Um, there is value to building a team just to get a broker to send you an NDA to sign to see business financials. Having the backing of individuals that you can kind of brag on in dealing with business owners, dealing with brokers who become the barrier or the gatekeeper to the business owner. Um, and even when you're dealing with getting funding, getting the financing you need to, to fund your deal, having a team, I, can, I don't think I can stress enough how invaluable that becomes, knowing those people, having people who've done it before, 
covering your weaknesses is something I've heard I've heard you said multiple say multiple times in many of your videos and your 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 interactions online. And I could do nothing but co-sign what you shared. That's an excellent tidbit. Use that 30-day period in that LinkedIn recruiter to force yourself to make things happen. Yeah, and a lot of people need accountability. That's what they lack because majority of the individuals I speak to and they've been in certain groups way longer than I have, but they're reaching out to me. They're like, hey, how do I pick an industry? You know, it's mundane, things like that. They're cut up on. And I'm like, why are you so hung up about this? You're taking, what, six months to just pick an industry? It's not that hard. Me, I simply picked one, did the research, and I started, you know, going from there. You can always switch your industry. That's not a problem. But a lot of people are hung up on just picking an industry, right? And other individuals who have not yet picked an industry are worried about what they need to say to a chairman. So that confuses me. And I simply tell them, don't worry about things that is out of your control right now. Worry about the task at hand. So prioritizing is extremely important as well. But the thing is to embark on this journey, it's going to be a, a change of lifestyle. You can't remain the same and say, hey, I want to build a billion dollar company. And you just have you know, the worst habits. I'm not speaking about, you know, uh, about anyone specifically. It's just about myself, the way a lot of things that I had to change that I'm still changing right now. But that's just what it is. It, it'll be a you know change of lifestyle as well, you know. But you have to do it literally. Just do it, but do it the right way. Ask the right questions. Here's another tip: reach out to industry experts before you start reaching out to other individuals and ask them, "Hey, if you were in my shoes, you're starting a build, you you want to build a company that's going to consolidate an X Y Z industry. How would you go about it?" And I promise you, you will know more than anyone else anyone else. Because if you're speaking to industry experts, they're telling you, this is my experience. This is what I've done. This is the way I would go about it moving you know, forward right now. This is what you should do. You, I mean, you can't go wrong. Imagine that. You, you can't go wrong. Imagine having you know, Michael Jordan be your trainer, which he missed 9,000 shots right throughout his career. No one remembers that. That's what I'm saying. No one remembers that. He, they only remembers the shots that he made. So with that said, just mess up as much as you as you need to. In fact, I encourage you to fail because in your failure, you will learn more, right? So reach out to individuals. You don't have to know what you're talking about. Reach out to these industry experts, just tell them what you want to do and they're gonna share with you. It's not going to be everybody. You just need one or two individuals to say, this is the way I would do it. But that's what I would do. Reach out to in, uh, industry experts first and ask them, be humble and ask, how would you do this? And they will tell you. Great advice. Great advice. I'm sure uh, once we release this episode, there's going to be many questions. And I hope we can get together and maybe do a follow-up episode. Um, but if someone wants to get in contact with you, how can they reach you? Yeah, of course. So um, you could connect with me on LinkedIn. Just search you know, my name, Ansimansian, as well as Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. It's pretty much the same throughout all the platform, right? First name, last name, Ansi Mansion. So Facebook, Ansi Mansion, IG at Ansi Mansion, Twitter at Ansi Mansion, and LinkedIn at Ansi Mansion. And our company is Blue Horizon Industries. You can, if you choose to, you know, invest with us or you know an individual that is 
looking to sell a manufacturing medical device company, feel free to get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. But with that said, I really appreciate the time, Nathan. This was uh, exciting. No, thank you so much uh, for being our first podcast guest. Um, a lot of good tips, a lot of good insight. And I think that the community will enjoy what you've had to share here today. Uh, thank you again. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much. Of course. Appreciate it. And I look forward to another episode. If you're interested in learning more about how to buy businesses or you're a seasoned pro who's passionate about sharing your knowledge, we'd like to invite you to join our growing community. Visit our website at acinsight.com. That's acqinsight.com. There you'll find all the relevant links you need, including the link to join the Acquisition Insights Facebook group. Also, don't hesitate to reach out if you have any comments, questions, or anything else you'd like to contribute to our community. Thank you for lending us your ears today. We trust you found value in what you've heard. Remember, we only talk to guests who are doers in this business and that are willing to share their knowledge and expertise. So don't just be inspired, be empowered. Take the insight you've gained and put into action the things that you have the knowledge and the ability to execute on. I'm Nate Brown, and I'll see you next time.